Hi, I'm Lizzie, here with my friend Andrea, and we are your hosts for Letting It Percolate. Just as the best tasting coffee takes time to percolate, some of life's most interesting and important questions take time to truly explore. So the question we're looking at today is what makes someone influential? And we acknowledge that with a topic like influence, uh, there's just a lot there. There's probably a lot of assumptions and ideas people have and directions we could go in, in exploring this in our podcast. So we kind of wanted to start off just briefly kind of get on a the same page with what we are referencing when we say influence. Um, so Andrea, what, uh, yeah, what are we talking about even? <laughs> um, <laughs> what is life? Well, I did a little like dictionary, I guess thesaurus searching, yes. because for me, that's just a helpful place to start. And some of the synonyms that popped up for influence were impact, sway, and control. And I think sway and control are both interesting in that they're, like, two different degrees of influence, Mm -hmm. at least the way I understand them. Sway is a little bit more, like, a a subtle push from behind, kind of like the wind carrying an idea. And then control is, like, you know, I think of complete mind control, like... (laughs) And divergent when all of the people are suddenly controlled by that, like, central power. And they're just marching in their eyes. There's, like, emptiness in their eyes. Like, I think of control as being pretty over, like, overwhelmingly powerful. Mm. So, I guess that doesn't really answer the question. It just shows (laughs) there is a a large variety of ways influence can be interpreted. Uh, I'm guessing, we'll see where the conversation goes. I'm guessing we'll probably speaking a little bit closer to the sway end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we want to talk about, maybe there could be an argument made that it's, it really, to some degree, is control that people have over people. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where my head, went, my head went. Did you want to add anything to that? No, I think that's a good starting off point. Um, I was just thinking, like, I think another... Um, element of this beyond the actual definition itself that you're getting at is like when we say impact or sway or influence like what does that mean slash how does that play out because and we'll get into this more as we talk um like does that mean like it affects us on a neuro neurological level and it's Mm -hmm. imperceptible or does it mean it impacts active conscious choices how much of it is subconscious um so yeah, I think, like you said, it influences just an interesting um, topic because it encompasses so many uh, areas. Um, so I think we wanted to start off before we dive into more philosophical musings, <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> um, we wanted to share just kind of a brief personal note on like an example from each of our lives of a time, or sorry, a person who has influenced us. Um, so Andrea, tell us, tell us your story. This wasn't the first person that came to mind, but it's the idea that I settled upon. So my high school psychology teacher, um, 
really fascinating guy, as I guess a psychology teacher <laughs> might tend to be. Uh, and he definitely, he loved teaching. That was very clear and obvious. Uh, and he cared about us as students. But I started to realize and be influenced by him even more so after I graduated from high school. I would go back to school, my high school for like band concerts because my brothers were in band or sporting events. And at I would say like 75% of the events, my psychology teacher <laughs> was also there, um, mm. like rooting for the students and um, listening to the music they were making. And sometimes my family would go up and talk to him afterward because I think he taught all three of us at least me and another brother, he definitely taught. Mm -hmm. And I was really inspired by that. Um, like, it demonstrated to me the level of care and um, just interest in his students' lives outside of school that he had um, and that he was willing to, like, sacrifice personal time he could have been doing with other... Um, personal time he could have spent doing other things to come and support his students and show... The outside of the classroom, they still matter. So I think he influenced me with regard to like how I view community and being involved in a community, that it's not just about doing your job there. Like he could have just drawn the line at um, being a good psychology teacher, which he was, mm -hmm. but he um, chooses to, like I said, forgo maybe personal like interests or free time to really um, just be plugged into the community and involved. And I think that's something I could definitely grow in, but that I see the value in it just by his example of doing that. So mm. yeah, it's definitely like an actions over words example of influence, but super thankful for that. And he's a really cool guy. So yeah, yeah, dang. that's that's my story. What about you? Who did you think mm. of as an influencer in your life? Um. So, also, um, I had multiple people, I'm, I guess, thankful to say, um, many people have influenced me in positive ways. So, I was kind of thinking outside the box. I was like, I don't want to say the st stereotypical answers. <laughs> um, so, I thought of my host. So, I did like a summer uh, program in high school when I was in between my junior and senior years of high school. Lived in France for six and a half weeks. Um, and had a host family. So it was this um, older couple, Monique and Michelle, and <laughs> they were so great. Um, but Michelle uh, is the, the host dad. Um, he was, so they're both retired. He was like some, like a nuclear engineer or something insane. And wow. the Monique was a nurse and they had both retired and yet they were both still very invested in learning and like being curious about many things including like parts of Fran France's history that it's like they're French they obviously know a lot uh, but they were still interested in learning more and continuously learning um, and I remember him we talked exclusively in French because that was like the rule <laughs> for the program um, but he would talk a lot about explicitly about how important it is to stay curious. And I remember thinking at the time, like, that curiosity was, like, good, but I didn't feel that it was, like, I don't know, I, was, I just thought it was interesting that he elevated it, um, it 
to the point of explicitly talking about it fairly regularly and how important it was for adults to remain curious. Um, So I kind of like stowed that away in my mind, but that has definitely impacted me over time, just seeing um, how he and Monique lived that out and the genuine enthusiasm and joy they have for life. And, you know, it takes a certain type of person to host like a high schooler <laughs> who's learning <laughs> your your native language. Um, sure. So, yeah, it was just a sweet example for me of um, the benefit of that, of curiosity. I wonder, like, if either of these people that we mentioned would even suspect they had that kind of impact on us. Mm. You know, because I feel like people... They're just going about their life, like, doing their thing. And maybe there was some intentionality, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of highly doubt unless he happens to listen to this episode or I, for some reason, like, send him an email. Yeah. um, My psychology teacher probably won't know how much I respect and admire the way that he, like, supports students and Mm -hmm. likewise with your French host dad. So, Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting and it kind of connects to this like flip side question as we both mentioned there's multiple examples we can think of of people who have influenced us but not everyone that we encounter has and we encounter a ton of um like really compassionate people really wise people in our lives and sometimes at least to the best of our awareness they don't have that kind of influence on us um Do you have Mm -hmm. any thoughts as to why that could be? Like, why it could be that sometimes people do and sometimes people don't influence us? Yeah, yeah. I think a key part of it, like you said, is the awareness piece. Um, Like, I can say that I'm aware of various people influencing me, yet there's probably this subconscious, like, osmosis happening through culture and through other uh, sources of influence that... I can't actively attribute to, but that exists. So I think that's part of it. But I also think part of it is like just our bandwidth. Like we can only take in so much inspiration Mm -hmm. and lesson learning and awe um, at a time and also in general. Um, And so I think that that then leads to like well how do how do our brains then determine well this i will choose to be influenced by and i have the bandwidth now (laughs) and not later so that goes into like timing and even like what we have our eyes open to like what are we looking for um or do things pass us things pass us by constantly that's not a question (laughs) um so yeah i just that that's my initial thought is just a conglomeration of those things Mm, a conglomeration. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think it's an ugly, I mean, it's a good, it's a useful word, but I think it's an ugly word. It reminds me of like, phlegm. The, I I can hear that in the glom part. Like the, yes! the glom sound oh gosh, is not the most, um, it's aesthetically Graceful. pleasing wouldn't be the word. Mm, or yeah, it? something like that. Yeah. Just glom. Like, <laughs> there's Dude. a reason that's not a noun. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
Oh, one thing I wanted to add, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I think our awareness and our ability, like the, the amount of open capacity we have to learn and to listen definitely impacts who influences us. Another thing that came to mind is cultural environment. I felt like when I, um, studied abroad in the Netherlands, I was in some respects more influenceable. Like Mm. I felt like I was just more open, um, more open to new ideas. I Hmm. was more spiritually open, um, to like, I remember hearing the voice of like God or the Holy spirit, Mm. um, more clearly during that time. And I, it almost like getting outside of a comfortable zone for some reason allowed the impact of new things to be deeper. And also like the people that I met over there, I feel like, um, I continue to be influenced by different things about them as well. And for some reason, I think that took me getting like shaken out of my comfortable environment and being thrown into a place where I was just, I couldn't rely on myself as much or something. So I had to seek direction and guidance more often from others. So Mm. yeah, I think like a a cultural environment can play into Hmm. the degree to which we're influenced as well. Let's expand the conversation a little bit. So we've touched on some, what we would call like private levels of influence or maybe personal would be another way to describe it. But influence definitely happens on a grander scale in the public sphere. And uh, before we dive too deep into the public sphere, we wanted to like pose this question, how does influence look different between the two, the private and the public? And is one more important to cultivate than the other? Uh, thoughts on this, Lizzie? Other, like, further questions beneath those questions? Mm-hmm. That's a imp- really interesting question, actually, because uh, I think that the purists uh, of, like, influence, like, it's just by definition, as humans, we operate differently when we know people are watching. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think you could, it, it raises issues of like, why, like if someone's doing something with an intention that it will be influential in some way, um, like would that look different if it was like a one-on-one kind of thing that no one else will ever find out about versus something much more public? And I'm not saying that's bad if that's the case. It's, it just, um... It brings in the the part of us, which we all have, that is, like, slightly different than who we actually are because we're, we know we're being watched or we know we're, the eye is on us. Well, that sounded really paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> the eye of Sauron. <laughs> My, I, oh, yeah. The ring, Frodo. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, did that make any yeah. sense? <laughs> you know, um... Per- like, quick personal anecdote, at Menards, they are huge on using cameras to observe <laughs> team members. Oh, dang. And, uh, like, regularly, I would say once every two weeks, 
we'll get a screenshot on our desk in our department of someone like just doing various things and sometimes super legitimate like someone is training someone else on a computer and like how to do something and they're standing close together so they can both see said computer mm-hmm. and corporate will catch it on the camera and say you weren't six feet apart mm. and coronavirus mm-hmm. and it it does kind of feel like what you said like the eye is watching <laughs> and so we have definitely changed our behavior over the past few weeks because um, we've gotten enough slaps on the wrist and mm. are, like, trying to be better about that, at least in front of the camera. <laughs> right, right. Wow. So the influence of, um, I guess you could say, management choosing to go that route with having yeah. cameras, which honestly, I I feel like was probably an effective and wise <laughs> move, if, if that's their goal. If their goal is yeah. to get you to comply with these regulations. Uh, something else I think about with, like, the public sphere, what's seen there is what I was, what I would describe as the extremes. Like, on social Mm. media, we see typically, like, the highs of people's lives. And then occasionally, maybe more so in news media, we'll see the lows. Like, the scandals Mm. or, like, the really poor decisions but what we miss in public influence that, that we get with private influence is the mundane, like the yeah. the non-newsworthy things that people do. And I think character shows up sometimes in those moments that could be influential to someone, either positively or negatively, mm. but they're not, like, sensational, and so they're not worth recording or like putting on social media or on the news so i think there's whatever you want to lump into that group Mm. that is kind of missing from the public level of influence yeah yes let's talk about um people like i there are some very 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 famous people that probably come to people's minds (laughs) say the word people a lot, Um, that we wanted to briefly talk through um, kind of to further this conversation about um, like personality traits and like what exact, or is it achievements or like when, when is it both of those things? So um, one person, this is (laughs) very intense example of someone who has had, who did have a huge influence was Hitler. And that was in a, obviously a catastrophic outcomes, but he was influential and people followed him. <laughs> um, and yeah, what do you think about that example, Andrea? It was so fascinating reading about him as like a, a leader and, um, someone who held a lot of authority and influence just reading people's reactions to him and I mentioned this in an offline conversation but I was struck by how many people use like mesmerized or um captivating when they were talking about him almost as though he had this 
a weird aura about him. He was very charismatic, and I learned he actually gave over 5,000 speeches, which to me is, Hmm. man, if you, like, he didn't live to be super old, obviously, and if you break that down over the years that he was actually in power, that's a lot of speeches every month and every week. Mm. Um, He, yeah, he, like, rehearsed his hand gestures in front of people and had them give feedback because I guess he really wanted to communicate, like, passionately. Hmm. And uh, this this quote stood out to me from his book, um, Mein Kampf. It, he says, I know that men are won over less by the written than by the spoken word, that every great movement on this earth owes its growth to great orators and not to great writers. Uh, aside from being, like, controversial, which I think it is, mm. I find it interesting because his life definitely, like, it held true to what he said. He was an incredibly and devastatingly influential person, and it was mostly through his spoken word that he influenced and captivated people. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's like Lizzie said, kind of a, um, a huge and weighty example. And someone else that also came to mind who we will be celebrating in a few days, um, just coincidentally, this wasn't really intentional, but (laughs) Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was obviously a very influential person in American, but also, uh, world history. And, two things stood out to me about the influence that he was able to garner. He was, as Hitler was, a very um, captivating public speaker, and so I don't want to downplay that at all, but it seemed as though he had a very collaborative approach to problem solving. He was willing to work with a lot of different organizations and kind of cast a broad net when he was trying to um, raise support. Not, I don't mean that just like financially, but like, four movements of peaceful protests across the country. He wasn't narrow-minded in who could partner with him. And going off of that, he was very focused. Like, his um, main goal seemed to be getting justice for black people through nonviolent activism. And anyone who he could get on board to help pursue that, that goal... Um, he was open to working with. And I think that is one reason he was able to be influential because he had um, a narrow goal with an open mind about who was able to help Mm -hmm. um, out with that goal. And I think the fact, too, that he he didn't start the civil rights movement saying, like, I am the savior of uh, black people and other minority groups in America – it was very much a hand-in-hand, like, we are brothers, we are sisters, this kind of language. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that together we have to do, otherwise it's never going to be accomplished. Um, mm. One thing, just in hearing you reflect on these two very different, but both influential <laughs> in different ways, uh, <laughs> people, historically, uh, a common thread that also ties back to what you were saying when we started the episode of, like, openness or open-mindedness. So we talked about, well, you were talking about um, feeling more, like, open in, to things in general uh, when you were in a different country um, studying abroad. And um, we had talked about being open to someone 
who can influence you in a positive way, even if you don't agree or like, like them, like in their totality. <laughs> um, and then it sounds like Hitler, it feels weird to say this, <laughs> but um, you said he was open to feedback with his like gestures and how he was coming across through speaking. And yeah. he had, he sought that out. So he was at least open in that one very specific way. <laughs> and then like, MLK, obviously, um, open, like you said, to whoever wants to join this cause. That's the one thing that does unite us, but open to anyone and everyone. Um, so that's an interesting thread. I wasn't, I mean, it makes sense. I just wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that was so insightful, Lizzie. (laughs) Uh, I, I wonder if there's something to that, like, Mm -hmm. to be influential and to be influenced if we have to have a more, like, broad or open-handed approach to life. Mm. Let's, so let's uh, move a little bit beyond those two historical figures and talk about something that's a little bit more current, this Mm. label or role of an influencer, which, as we discovered (laughs) when we were brainstorming for this episode, it carries different meanings for different people. So, mm-hmm. Lizzie, to you, right now, in this moment, <laughs> uh, how would you articulate your understanding of an influencer? Yeah, so my understanding of an influencer, per se, with quotation marks around it, <laughs> specifically <laughs> talking about social media, is I really almost always think of the more specific Instagram influencers, who Hmm. and among instagram influencers i even think more specific than like all the people who have the blue verified check like i don't think that's i personally when i think of the term influencer i don't think of everyone who's blue checked on instagram i think of like the ones who that is their only thing um like that's what they do um Hmm. as opposed to someone who's a youtuber even a different social platform uh, it's also the obviously content platform, but like that's a thing. You're producing unique, hopefully, things. Um, and so I would say, well, that person's a YouTuber. I wouldn't say that person's an influencer with those like quotation marks. Because uh, I was thinking about this. I was, I was thinking like for the people who aren't really claiming to offer more than I'm going to influence your lifestyle through you looking at my Instagram. That sounds pejorative. I was trying not to make it pejorative. <laughs> really, there's no like, there's no other way to say that. Um, that's what I think of with like influencers on social media, and I know, and I acknowledge that's a very narrow definition. Speaking of open-mindedness, <laughs> I guess where yeah, where I have issue with that definition is, if I'm understanding you correctly, it sounds like the number of mediums. And whether or not Instagram is the sole medium, like, through which they reach out to the world, basically determines if they're an influencer. It's not about, like, if they're selling something or, like, if they're coming up with an, a, new, a new idea. It's just, like, do you have more than one platform? And if not, is your only platform Instagram? Okay, now you're an influencer. Or, I don't know. Am now I, that, you, I now that you put it that, that way. Right? <laughs> Maybe a better proxy, because I'm now thinking of TikTok <laughs> and, like... People oh, who yes. are influential in, in that way. Uh, I don't have a TikTok, so I'm going to be a little bit ignorant on that. But 
maybe a better proxy is are you doing something unique or are you selling a product that you didn't make and again totally fine to sell a product that you didn't make that's literally billions of people do that um (laughs) it's i think that's a differentiation though between i'm creating something that i'm offering whether a service Mm. or a product um or content (laughs) uh versus I'm using, and this is going to sound really mean, and I don't mean it in a mean way, (laughs) but I'm using my looks to help whatever X number of companies that I partner with. Kind of like celebrity testimony, you know, how we all learn about, like, marketing. Um, Like, people whose primary thing is, like, celebrity testimony or influencer testimony as a way of selling products. Does that help clarify? I don't know. (laughs) Wait, one more clarifying question. (laughs) We're getting somewhere, I promise. There's a direction to this. Oh, good. Um, Are you saying the latter, the people who are um, looking cute and selling stuff, (laughs) are those who you consider the influencers? Yes, I think. Okay. So the former, the people who are coming up with some new creative content, those people fall into a separate category in your brain. Yeah, they wouldn't be influencers. They might be influential, but the the thing I this is what came to me last night as I was falling asleep <laughs> thinking about this. <laughs> it's I wouldn't call them an influencer because that in that case that you just described that only describes part of what they do. What they really huh. do is create something that they're offering, ah, and yes. so I restrict the term influencer for when you can really only describe what they do as that. Like Matthew McConaughey is influential but he does he's an actor and apparently now he he's like a writer i don't know but like i wouldn't describe him as an influencer he's an actor he's a writer he's whatever so i think yes. that's the key thing for me okay that was super helpful and i think i think i'm kind of on board with the way you framed it there mm. um So, when we're talking about, like, let's roll with that definition you offered for influencer of people who are, like, there using basically who they are to, like, Mm -hmm. push, I guess, to push something. Um, (laughs) We, yeah, we talked about this a little bit, too, when we were brainstorming. I feel like marketing is starting to Mm. take a shift even in the past four or five years, because having gone through business school and you also like having gone through getting the business minor, like in marketing classes, I don't remember being taught like, oh, well you can leverage. I mean, okay, maybe a little tad bit, like you can leverage a celebrity to sell a product, Mm -hmm. but not to the extent we're seeing it now. Right. Um, It was still a lot more about like focusing on good branding and slogans and price point and that kind of stuff, which Mm -hmm. is still relevant, but I feel like we've added this additional layer where companies as big as P&G are going to people, um, I don't have a good example, but, you know, like famous people that have somehow gotten a lot of views on TikTok or Instagram Mm -hmm. and being like, you know what? we would rather pay you like five bajillion dollars to look cute and and sell toothpaste for us than we would run our own marketing campaign because in all honesty, your two million like followers on Instagram Mm -hmm. 
are going to be more directly connected to our product through you advertising it than we would through more traditional mediums like TV commercials or website banners and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which I think is, it's a really interesting switch. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's cyclical because as these influencers continue to be more successful at selling products just by like being cool or I I don't want to, I also, yeah, I don't want to put them down because I think Man, if you can make it work, you go for it. But like, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> neither of us <laughs> is on that level. <laughs> so yes. like, you know, as they as they get more followers and sell more products, they they can make a livable wage. It seems some of them, mm. uh, depending on what companies they're connected to. And I just I find it really intriguing, and it's crazy how fast it's evolved to the point that we weren't hearing about this stuff four to five years ago at business school. Mm. Yeah, I think, this is a very interesting from the like corporate perspective, or from any com- doesn't have to be corporate, it could be any company's perspective. It's cuts out so much of the middle people, and it's mm-hmm. way more direct, and likely way more effective and cost effective. Um, and so all of that is great, and I can see why companies, like, all over the place, even very, very, very small, like, I get, I see ads on Instagram all the time, and it honestly freaks me out, because they're very, like, (laughs) feel called out by them. (laughs) They're, like, things that I could buy if I, like, had money that I wanted to spend on that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, so, like, from the company perspective, it's, like, an amazing uh, innovation, of using people in this way, using um, public influential people in this way. Um, Yet from at least my perspective as a consumer and as like an everyday person, (laughs) I I have like kind of an uneasy feeling whenever I see almost anyone anywhere online that is, that has like lots of views or lots of followers and they go start to segue into that like brand deal or they start to segue into like selling whatever and I feel any and I feel bad for feeling uneasy, I guess, because I'm like they have to make money too, like obviously. But I also don't like the ominous like, am I subtly being sold something all the time? Because um, mm. it feel because it's so much more direct, it feels a little bit more pervasive from like the consumer point of view. Um, and again, that's just you know, at least how capitalism works. Like, <laughs> we got to make money. We got to live. Um, another day, another dollar. Another da, another dis. Well, I don't know the words, actually. Was that a Les Mis reference? Because I just made it one. Uh, <laughs> I think that's one more day. <laughs> another day, another... No, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you know, you're right. <laughs> um, Let's talk about Eminem. Yes. Speaking what an of interesting character. Popular Please. people. Please talk to us, because I know that you have a great admiration for Eminem. (laughs) What can we learn about him in regards to influence? Yes, or learn from him. Learn about him and learn from him. Um, You're right. I am an Eminem stan, um, (laughs) to use the original reference from his song. Um, So Yeah, I'm glad one of us got that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I literally never use that word because I think it's annoying. So the fact that, just for listeners' um, context, the fact that I'm using it to describe how much of a fan of I am of Eminem is significant. 
Okay. So he has two songs from his Marshall Mathers album, Y2K. Um, that's the year it came out. The first song, Who Knew? I'm just going to read a lyric because this, the reason we're doing this, <laughs> besides sheer entertainment, listening to Eminem's lyrics read by me, <laughs> <laughs> is he talks about, he has just like commentary on his own success and his own like influence that sometimes most of the time other people attribute to him that he doesn't claim for himself so one of his lines in who knew says uh this is for your kids amusement the kids but don't blame me when little eric jumps off the terrace you should have been watching him apparently you ain't parents and then later in the song he says how much damage can you do with a pen Hmm. and that is interesting from the perspective of like if someone listens to music that it is like violent or vulgar in some way and then they do something bad like can is that celebrity or that artist or whatever culpable in any way are they responsible in any way like with a certain level of influence do you have that type of responsibility and it sounded like at least from the apparently you ain't parents line (laughs) (laughs) And then Eminem was thinking he doesn't uh, and that it lies with the individuals. Um, Another quick uh, lyric from the song I'm Back. Um, He says, what do I think of success? It sucks. Too much press. I'm stressed. Too much cess. Depressed. Too upset. It's just too much mess. I guess I must just blew up quick. Um... So that's interesting um, to hear him, someone so successful, talk about like the downsides of that public um, attention. And then he goes on in the song to say if he, it, if he, meaning a random person, feeds into this, he's an innocent victim and becomes a puppet on the string of my tennis shoe. Which, if you listen to it, he sounds um, sarcastic when he's saying that. <laughs> when he's saying that, so like almost saying it's ridiculous to suggest that I, Eminem, am in control of these, like, millions of children who you think are violent because of my songs, which was, I believe, a critique (laughs) at the time. It really does beg that question that you mentioned. Who's responsible in these situations where someone, like, he wasn't asking to become famous and to be prominent in the public eye. Um, nor is he, because you highlighted that he's a rapper, like, he didn't sign up to be, um, like, a moral upstanding, like, figure that mm-hmm. kids are supposed to emulate. And does that change things? Like, if he were the governor of the state of Indiana versus a rapper, would would there be a different moral standard to which he's held because maybe we, we like, assign more, like, the importance of being a moral example to a public mm. servant than mm. we would to an artist. Like, I, I feel the tension, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's great because I think it's not a black and white question. Like, I don't know exactly how to assign mm-hmm. responsibility in this situation. Um, yeah. I 
I have strong feelings about this topic. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, there's like an ideal in which, like, everyone who has public influence particularly over anything that kids interact with which is like who knows like kids are getting into anyway (laughs) thanks to the internet kids can like get into anything as far as I'm concerned on accident but um there's this ideal in which we would have like people be more of an example but then then the like real felt effect of that would be almost tyrannical like you have to abide by these and who decides what moral Mm. code is being followed like you have to do these certain things or else you're an illegitimate public influence and i don't like that mentality i i kind of agree with eminem on in this sense of at the end of the day like if you're concerned about your kids, like, that's an issue for parents. That's not an issue to look to, like, such big influences, like, celebrity culture. Like, you can't pinpoint that. <laughs> Yet you can pinpoint areas of growth for a parent. Mm. Um, and that might sound harsh, but if you're talking about what, what is within your realm of control that's what's within your realm of control um and like it's also within one's realm of control if you have a kid to talk to your kid about like oh you heard that lyric in Eminem's rap song that's like really awful (laughs) um or at least sounds really awful um like what do you think like having conversations with kids as opposed to like sheltering them you know in an age-appropriate way but as opposed to sheltering them from all of it and then once they turn 16 or 18 they can just rebel (laughs) man you know i don't want to speak with too much like conviction having not been a parent myself but i do i do have to say in light of what you already highlighted that there is so much out there that kids can find and stumble Mm -hmm. upon and not understand um, mm-hmm. like there is a parenting approach that would say, well, let's try to limit and restrict access to those opportunities as much as possible. And, um, there might be, there might be merit to that in some cases. Mm-hmm. I think the conversations that you just mentioned will probably pay longer dividends in terms of helping, like giving kids a framework for themselves mm-hmm. to think through, okay, well, when I do encounter something like this, what have I talked about, like, with my parents? What does this mean? Um, is this something that concerns me right now in my life? And maybe, like, why? Like, why are these people acting like this? Um, again, to an age-appropriate extent. Right. But, right. but I, I do, like, just the way that the world is right now, I think, as a parent, that's probably a more effective approach because... You can build brick walls as tall and as thick as you want, but like you said, at the end of the day, like a kid's going to enter the real world and they need to, at that time, have a way to process in a healthy way the information they're taking in and then uh, be able to like shape their character and their behavior accordingly. And 
I feel like it could just be really overwhelming for a kid who's been sheltered from, like, inappropriate lyrics or um, just, you know, the whole plethora of things. <laughs> <laughs> it could be really overwhelming to be exposed all at once to those things. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, and confusing and... Yeah. yeah, I think I feel for parents who are like in this place right now, maybe with pre-adolescent or mm-hmm. whatever kids like, oh, <sighs> it's tricky territory. <laughs> yes, I second that emotion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that a Smokey Robinson song? I don't know who did that, but that's definitely a song. Um, yeah. But let's talk about some public figures who are trying to influence kids <laughs> in a positive sense, though. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite public figures, I mean, not all of them, but there are specifics. So NFL players, uh, professional athletes, I think there's there's some good stuff that's coming out mm-hmm. of these, uh, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I guess athletes. So the NFL Play 60 program, there's commercials about it quite a bit, and the, the gist is, like, they're encouraging kids to be active for 60 minutes a day. And uh, often it seems like they'll have these clinics where they'll invite kids in and a few professional football players from whatever city will come and, like, hang out with the kids. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's actually doing football stuff, but sometimes it's just, you know, other silly stuff. Like, let's run around the field or, like, <laughs> take a soccer ball or hula hoop or whatever. And I just – I love that. Like, it's in the community. I know. <laughs> I would, too. Like, especially depending on who's there. Um, <laughs> although I will say, I, I got to meet Tony Dungy when we were at IU. What? He came for this, like, book signing thing. What? And I totally, Damn. like <laughs> – fangirl froze when I met him and his wife and like didn't even have words to say because I was afraid if I opened my mouth I would just like I don't even know what would happen probably start crying tears of happiness and joy that I was meeting Andrea um but yeah I did get to meet him um and then one other that's a little controversial um but I think it's worth noting because it was definitely influential Mm. was Colin Kaepernick's kneeling during his act of kneeling during the national anthem when he was still playing for the um, San Francisco 49ers and uh, I got this off of NFL.com they asked him why he would kneel and his response was I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color to me this is bigger than football and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way and so I think this is an example of him using um, his influence, not like obviously he didn't just become influential for being cool, like he's, <laughs> he was a good football player, um, but he was using that platform to try to speak on behalf of himself, black people, and other minorities who have been oppressed in the States, and he chose to do that by kneeling during the national anthem. So um, yeah, like pretty pretty big impact that that made and I think he actually kind of lost his career in professional football as a result of that um oh man yeah you know it's it's kind of a big deal um I respect him (laughs) for putting his neck out on the line like aside from views on the actual act of kneeling and Mm -hmm. yeah I I mean that's influence right there 
Right. Yeah. And the other side, I think it obviously was influential for um, like activist communities and influential in, I would say, a number of positive ways. The flip side of that influence was the backlash that you're referencing, obviously. And it's just interesting, like, when you have, I think something, unfortunately, it probably, it might have come from partially racist um, motivations on some people's part, not, maybe not on all people's part, but some people who opposed his act of kneeling were like, you're a football player, like, stay in your lane kind of comments. Um, mm-hmm. And he was extend he was using like you said this influence as a that he has as a professional athlete um and extending it into this other area that is important and that he was passionate about and apparently some people were not okay with that extension and using influence in a in that way um yeah they did not have the open-mindedness that we've been talking about (laughs) (laughs) um so and I, I think the idea of, like, someone um, taking influence they've gained for a particular reason and then using their influence for another um, reason or another cause um, is in- interesting to look at, too, just in general, how society responds to that. Because I think it depends totally on the case. Um, if society approves or not. Because <laughs> they're, they're people. I guess the point... The point at the end of the day is, like, yes. Colin Kaepernick is a person. He's a holistic person. Right. He has emotions. He does play football, and he played football decently well. Not, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that rank ahead of him, but decently well. Um, I know nothing. Can't get too can't get too carried away. I love you, Peyton Manning. <laughs> um, oh. But, yeah, he, like, he has so many different aspects to him, and, like, I think it's uncomfortable right. sometimes for us to recognize that in mm-hmm. celebrities because we see them, we paint such a narrow picture on them and that allows us to wear their jersey around or, um, mm. I don't know, to dress up like them at, at Halloween because <laughs> yeah. there's just certain iconic features about them. But at the end of the day, they're people and they're they're a mix of good and bad. And um, mm-hmm. sometimes we disagree with, I mean, there's just differences because we're all different. And so yeah. we disagree with stuff about people. And I think sometimes we're more comfortable than others about allowing that to bleed into mm-hmm. the area where we know them most, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and it's like, what is it about the the times we, quote unquote, are, are more comfortable with it and why? Um, and is there injustice in the discrepancies there and the times we are okay with it? Because I'm positive that it's not neutral (laughs) the times we are okay with it and the times we're not so we've talked quite a bit about um people influencing other people or things influencing other people but you acknowledge that we are influenced by whether we know it or not sometimes we are influenced by things we're influenced by people especially by social media and different forms of technology um And we're influenced to points that sometimes are scary to realize, hence the Netflix documentary that came out a few months ago called The Social Dilemma, where, Mm -hmm. like, previous or former executives at different companies like Facebook, Google, Instagram, 
like spoke <laughs> about how um like how specific and minute of details they will go into data mining for users on their platforms and then like look at how to most efficiently convert seconds spent <laughs> on platforms to dollars which suggests that if they're able to find a connection between the time mm -hmm. we spend on platforms and dollars we spend from our wallets that we're being influenced i guess oh, would be like the yes. thesis underlying that so yeah what do you i mean what's your take on this like to what degree are we being influenced should we just live in glass bubbles from now on and like <laughs> hide from the world like mm -hmm. how do we go about functioning knowing we're being influenced <laughs> Feel free to answer all or none of those questions. <laughs> the thing that's coming to mind right now is acceptance. <laughs> um, not passive acceptance uh, in the sense of like, well, I'm just going to be influenced by everything and so might as well like have all my walls down all the time because why not? Like not that type of acceptance, but like we have to, ju we just have to acknowledge and accept that, especially with how technology is now, but also in general, like the way we're wired as humans, like we are influence, we influence each other in very, on the micro level. And then as we've talked about on the macro level, but um, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay that there is all this interchange of influence going on, even when I, it is a little scary for me at least to think about all of the way subconscious um, and yeah, subconscious ways that I'm influenced or things that I'm unaware of. <laughs> and I think documentaries like you brought up the social dilemma, there's probably tons of other, um, other expose types <laughs> trying to inform us, all of the users of these pieces of technology of, you know, just how much our data is not being kept private. Um, but I think those resources are good for mm. people to um, utilize because awareness is very important. Because if you're not aware, then you're not like consenting in a sense to the ways that technology might be subconsciously influencing you. Again, coming off super paranoid, <laughs> not a paranoid person, <laughs> but you do want to have your eyes open to that because it's happening whether you acknowledge it or not. <laughs> Again, wow, it's so fatalistic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, I, um, I'm normally not one to like champion capitalism in every form, but I do think you mentioned this earlier, like at the end of the day, people do have to make a living. Um, and for like the influencers that we mentioned, some of them have mm -hmm. found out how to do that, how to use their, mm -hmm. um, like prestige or attractiveness or whatever to like sell products for companies and to be paid in exchange. And ultimately mm -hmm. like companies um, in our capitalistic society, like they do want to grow their bottom line or yeah, like they do want to increase it year over year and to be innovative. And I guess an argument could be made that advertising or 
influencing consumers in these ways <laughs> is part of their like marketing strategy that allows them to remain viable companies and i mean i'm sure if you were mm-hmm. to break down how many people work at amazon how many people work at procter and gamble like there's a lot of lives a lot of jobs that are affected by the profitability mm-hmm. of these companies um Mm-hmm. for better or for worse <laughs> um trying to like <laughs> remain semi-neutral here but uh, yeah it's yeah. you know it's not all bad um it's a way that right. business has evolved yeah. and like managed to stay afloat um mm-hmm. i do again like not to be too <laughs> forward thinking but i do wonder what's next and that scares me a little bit Um, Even the fact that, man, like, some of my roommates and I were watching Shark Tank a while ago, and one of the roommates literally did nothing (laughs) pertaining to this company that was on the show, did nothing with her phone or anything. We were just talking about it out loud. And then the next day, Mm. she's scrolling through Facebook and gets her first advertisement for this company on her phone. It's Mm. like, all right, Mm. that's creepy. And, um, you know, like, the (laughs) the voices, they're listening and sometimes talking to us, I guess it's more like the ears, but, you know, like. <laughs> Dang, that's a very specific example of that, though. I've heard broader ones where you could maybe justify, like, oh, your general search history would, this would be a logical guess on, you know, text part. But that's very specific that it was like a company on Shark Tank. It was. Um, hmm. Hmm. So, you know, there's stuff like that. And. Ultimately, we live in the world, and, like, if you're going to own a cell phone, it's probably a smartphone because, unfortunately, flip phones just don't get us that far. <laughs> um, respect <laughs> for the people who still manage to function on a flip phone. You guys are great. And so, yeah, it's, like you said, it's something we kind of have to accept as people who live in this year, 2021, and um, just, I'm sure it, it adds to our anxiety, but... Um, We can only do what we Mm -hmm. can do. We can only control what we can control. So I think wrapping this up, we, one question we wanted to um, pose for us to consider and for every listener to consider in regard to influence is the idea of stewarding our influence. Mm. Because while I have like less than 300 followers on Instagram. (laughs) That's the only quantifiable mode I have right at the moment. Um, And I would consider that very average. Like, we are not in any way... um, I don't mean to speak for you, Andrea, but... No, you can speak. (laughs) We are are not... um, We don't have huge platforms in that sense. Um, But everyone has um, whatever, like microcosm communities that we're involved in um families friends various other involvements work um and so therefore we do have a form of influence um in those spheres and how can we steward that influence and um should we as regular people do we have to even think about that Hmm. what do you think Um, I think, yes, as, quote, regular people, we do have to (laughs) think about this. One thing that I want to strive to prioritize uh, is, like, one-on-one interactions in real life with people. 
Um, or, I mean, in this, like, COVID world, maybe virtual, like, FaceTime or phone calls. Mm-hmm. But, like, that kind of human interaction versus um, conversations on social media, that kind of thing, which mm-hmm. can also be influential. But I think, mm-hmm. at least recently, it seems like they've been more influential for the worst um, than mm-hmm. for the best. And so I think what we have as humans is our holistic self, which, as we talked about earlier, like, the mundane gets filtered out of what we put on social media. And sometimes what ends up there is the extremes. And then we get stuck in these webs of polarization and disrespect Mm -hmm. and things that are just um, not helpful for the flourishing of humanity. Like, that's a pretty broad statement, but... I think it's true, and so Mm -hmm. I think we can choose to leverage influence when we're talking to people in a way that they can see all of us, or at least a lot of us. Um, Like, -hmm. they can see, you know what, I, like, I kind of agree with this certain political candidate, but I have my, I have my hesitations, or I'm not so sure about this. Like, that's the stuff that doesn't always make it onto the platforms, quote, but, like, it's... I think it's, um, people might be impacted by that. Like, oh, maybe I don't have to take such a strong stance right off the bat on this issue because clearly this other person who I respect is still formulating their stance and they're, they're still in their Mm -hmm. information gathering stage. If you're like me and a thinker or they're still in their emotions (laughs) evaluating, I don't know (laughs) what the like parallel would be for the feelers out there, but I don't want to leave you in the dust. So, (laughs) yeah, I see just, like, making, like, keeping the phone away, having a real conversation with someone over coffee, at work, um, talking about real-life stuff. I know that's kind of vague, but I really do think that's where we have a lot of our influence, and Mm -hmm. um, we should use it wisely. I think, yeah, just to reiterate, the mundane things... Um, and like the kinds of conversations you're describing with coworkers or friends or whatever, like that is the meat and potatoes of life mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, it, it's, um, I regard those kind of things w- like very highly and like cherish them part that part of that like extreme thing I have with that is like with my mental health in the past like when I felt like that was taken away and I couldn't engage Mm. in the way that I wanted to with other people um so being able to do that I don't know I don't take it for granted and it is like that's literally what makes up most of life besides sleep which is hopefully one third or more (laughs) of your life (laughs) everyone better be updating your spreadsheets (laughs) (laughs) right come on people i'm actually really behind on mine which is sad but (laughs) well everyone thank you for tuning in to letting it percolate we hope that you connected with what we talked about in today's episode and that your thoughts have been sufficiently percolated next time we will ask the question who decides when something is toxic. And we look forward to fleshing that out a little bit with all of you. So that's it for today. We'll talk to you next time.